Fusion Patrol is a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can help support us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. This is the Fusion Patrol podcast. Each week, we look at a different science fiction TV episode or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the Firefly story, War Stories. Following the success of their raid on Ariel, the crew of the Firefly are sitting pretty with cash in their pockets. Simon and River are especially buoyed because he has been able to devise new treatment regimes and River is showing signs of improvement. But all that ends as they prepare to sell off the last of their ill-gotten gains. The little green-eyed monster of jealousy rears his ugly head when Wash, tired of listening to Zoe and Mal's endless war stories about the times they've had together, decides it's time for him to start building a few stories with Mal too. Wait, did I say with Mal? Come to think of it, wouldn't it have made more sense for him to want to build stories with Zoe? Never mind, back to the story. Wash sabotages the launch sequences of the shuttle, blackmailing Mal into taking him along instead of Zoe. Little does he know, Nishka, whom Mal upset all the way back in the train job when Mal failed to turn over the stolen goods as promised, has located them and sends a team to bring Mal in. Wash gets picked up too. Not only does Nishka like to make an example of people who cross him, but he likes to torture them and keep them alive several days beforehand. It's this character flaw that allows Zoe time to attempt to trade all their recent monetary gains to Nishka in exchange for Mal and Wash. Nishka accepts a partial offer, all the money, but only Wash is released. Well, only Wash and Mal's severed ear. Zoe and the gang now lead an assault on Nishka's space station and rescue Mal. Nishka escapes to cause havoc again some other day. Simon reattaches Mal's ear, and they head off, leaving the crew to wonder, why is Shepard Book such an expert with weapons and assault tactics, and leaving Kaylee troubled by how lethal River was during the assault. Ah, war stories. The story where Wash gets everything he deserves and a bit more. (laughs) I thought you liked Wash. I do. I do. I didn't particularly like him in this particular uh, bout of jealousy. Um, (laughs) There's that scene where he starts getting kind of pissy with with Zoe. And... He sort of has a point. As he does. She, it's as a she well-written says it, scene. Uh, you know, as she points out, but then he loses the high ground quickly when he when he devolves into his into pure jealousy angle, and um, he becomes not so sympathetic at that point, and and then but suddenly a, you're like, you, you, you okay, Wash? You, you deserve to be on this journey to, with Mal. You deserve this one, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 what I particularly like about that scene is that there's a there's a circularity to it. It's not like that. It's not like Wash is particularly or or Zoe is particularly 
bad or wrong in their attitude. It's like they're both locked into a pattern because the reason he Wash says Wash Wash says when when she says I thought your plan was too risky I thought your plan was too risky you know it was me not the captain he says then tell me which is absolutely completely and utterly a hundred percent fair she should have yes. been honest with him except the reason that she wasn't honest is because of the way that she thought he would react, which is then proved to be the way that he did react. So you can completely see from each character's point of view why they are behaving in the way they are. And yet you can also see how unless one of them steps out of that, they're just going to devolve into a kind of vicious cycle through it. And it's one of the things I like about the the way in which Wash and Zoe are portrayed, because it is kind of unusual to have a, and and it's one of the things that I I know from kind of going back over the show and reading up on it that um, Whedon particularly wants to show. You've got a long term relationship being shown there. You've got a, a a married couple, and however emotionally intelligent people are, they have blind spots in terms of their own behaviour. And this is this perfectly exemplifies that. Do do you think that Zoe? <clears throat> I mean, you're correct. She doesn't want to see the reaction, or she doesn't want to get the reaction from Wash that she'll get if she tells him that she thinks the plan's too risky. Do you think that she believes he would accept that rejection better from Mal as the captain? Is that part of it that she can pass that? responsibility for the rejection on to Mal and that Wash will somehow accept that more gracefully? Well, he, but he, but it's not that he accepts it from Mal. It's that it's secondhand then from Zoe. It's that, because he doesn't, she doesn't tell him, does she? I don't know. I got the impression that, well, I don't know. Maybe she did. And he said, eh, my, no. my, re- my recollection of the exchange was that Part of the part of the problem was that she. I don't know. I mean, we never obviously we never see it, and we never hear Mal mention it. Yeah, she. Yeah, what what it is? Wash says you didn't get the chance to tell the captain my idea. What you actually meant was that you told him my idea, he rejected it out of hand, and you didn't argue the point or even give it, give it another thought. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, right. So she did tell I ha- him. No, I've un- understood. She told him and he rejected it. And then she was happy that he had rejected it. She went back to Wash with the rejection. So Wash gets the rejection from her. It, I mean, from Mal via her. And Wash is pissed off because he thinks that she ought to have argued his plan a bit better. Whereas in what in actual fact probably happened was that she pitched it very half-heartedly because she thought it was a rubbish plan and she was only pitching it because it was Wash's idea and he's her husband. She has an obligation to pass the information on even if they think it's a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but she's, so, hoping, she's hoping Mal will reject it because it saves her the, the hassle of saying, actually, you know what, this is a, this is a rubbish idea. I'm not even going to bother to tell the captain... If you think it's a good idea, you tell him yourself. That's what she should have said. That's what he tells her. 
And it's what he should have done. And and yeah, and and he's right. He's absolutely right about it. But on the other hand, you know, although he's saying that's what she should have done, if she actually had done that, he wouldn't have reacted that way at the time. Mm -hmm. I'm absolutely convinced, you know, that that that's how he would that's how he would have behaved that she knows that's how he would have behaved and what i really like about that scene is they pack it all into that little exchange and it the whole the whole thing then what's what's key to it from the point of view of what then unfolds within the the drama is that the whole thing is a kind of storm in a teacup essentially it's so utterly inconsequential and yet <laughs> They they get themselves into a position where it really matters to them, yeah. And and I could add to that that really it's not actually about Mal in the end, although the argument arises as if there is this jealousy on Wash's part about the relationship that Zoe has with Mal. But okay. the problem is the lack of honesty between Wash and Zoe, and he's he's kind of deflecting it or, or projecting it onto Mal because there are things that there are there are ways in which Zoe and Mal can can communicate because they have this this understanding and in particular these this shared kind of view about strategy that means that you know they both think Wash's idea is pretty stupid and it, it it's it's the lack of it's the lack of that kind of open, honest communication between Wash and Zoe that is causing them the problems at this particular moment. Mm. So why does he sabotage... Well, that, that's the wrong word. But he changes the launch code so that he has uh, blackmail control and can force them to let him go with Mal on this mission. And at, at first, when he does that, I thought the idea was for him to have the opportunity to have some sort of a man-to-man -man discussion with Mal. But when Mal tries to do that on the shuttle, Wash shuts him down. So that's not what we're talking. They don't want to talk about that. That's not a topic that's open for discussion. So why did he want to go? Wouldn't it make more sense in the, in the, the area that he's pining for pining for a better rapport with Zoe that that he and Zoe should go on this mission? Well, I th I mean I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily that he wants to spend time with Zoe because they do spend time together. I think it's more to do with he, he so he sees that he sees that there is this area of Zoe's life where he feels like he doesn't have access or he doesn't matter that's the impression i get mm. and and so by going with mal he will demonstrate to her that he does matter and it's almost like in his jealousy he's actually diminishing zoe and her her professional capabilities as a soldier because he thinks he can just step into her place by Mal's side and do what she does. And it's only because it's such a kind of, it's it's literally just this, this courier exchange type job, which is terribly, terribly straightforward and easy, or should be, mm -hmm. that Mal even tolerates him doing that. 
It's kind of interesting because the last time they did a job like this, Zoe was uh, up in a hill somewhere with a sniper rifle. Mm-hmm. So, safe. yeah, I guess it was. You know, it, it, it. I guess Mal felt a lot more comfortable with the guys he was dealing with, that they wouldn't double yes. cross him on on the planet Mojave, uh, <laughs> where they were. Um, okay. So Wash has uh, put his foot in it in this particular instance and, and gotten good old, gotten himself a good old bit of torturing, which during the course of that, then the two of them spend their time bickering um, rather than uh, enjoying their torture. I guess that's the, <laughs> the, the way I should put it. Uh, it's a very unusual right. scene. Well, it, it's 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 just it's it's a contrast, I think, to as you say the the scene in the cockpit of the shuttle where they could have a man to man conversation, but don't actually manage to have one, and then and then they end up having this full heart to heart as they're in the middle of being tortured. I well, watching that scene, I at first thought that they were carrying on that argument as a way to, and when I say they, I mean both of them, were carrying on that argument as a way to diminish the enjoyment Nishka was getting from from his torture, right? You know, somebody's throwing a tantrum, you ignore them. That's, in a way, that's kind of what they're doing there. They're I don't they're, think it's primarily that. Well, I didn't I first that's what I thought they were doing. And then when Wash begins to fade and Mal begins to goad him on, my opinion switched. And thinking Wash was just that was what he was in the moment and Mal was doing it on purpose as a sort yes. of distract his mind, not give in to Niska. Uh, is it Niska or Nishka? I think it's Niska. Niska, no H. Okay. N-I-S-K-A. Okay. If I say Nishka, that's uh, it's me um, with a lisp. <laughs> so, um, it's an interesting scene. Um, but I, seems... I think I think you're I think you're right. Be, and and the key thing here is that Wash doesn't have the the battle experience he hasn't got the the background of the war stories that that Mal and Zoe have which would include understanding how to resist torture mal does know what he's doing and what he's and what he's doing is he 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 know he knows what the situation that wash is in it'd be different if it was zoe is the interesting thing but he knows the situation that Wash is in and he's trying to, as it's not exactly protect Wash, but to keep him focused and to keep him alert uh, in the circumstances that he is simply completely unprepared for. He does, he, he cannot, distra- he cannot distract his own mind. He cannot take his focus elsewhere or think through the pain or whatever it is. I mean, I, I have no wish to be tortured. I have no wish to find out how one withstands it. But 
Wash clearly doesn't have that knowledge either. Mal does. And Mal is using his knowledge to try and help Wash through it. Mm. All right. The other time that the two of them are having their their argument is when they are thrown into the cell and they don't yet know what's happening. And they're blindfolded. Um, we see, once again, the preparedness of Mal and the unpreparedness for Wash because Wash is just spending his time babbling and complaining. And, uh, and even though Mal is participating, he's also wandering around the room feeling things, tapping things with his foot, trying to get the lay mm-hmm. of the land. That scene, of course, has the, the, the bit where they're talking about Zoe and the wedding vows and to obey her husband, which apparently has not gone out of the wedding vows in however many hundred years in the future. This years, is 500 yeah. years in the future. Um, and, and Wash points out that she didn't actually agree to that which makes a certain amount of sense. But but the real revelation there is that, you know, Wash thinks she does everything Mal tells her to do. And and Mal flaps him with a big wet fish in the face by telling him she disobeyed my order. She disobeys my orders. Like what? I told her not, I ordered her not to marry you. <laughs> do you think he really did that? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's one of the things I like about the way this scene is played because, of, as as you say, Mal is, Mal is having this conversation with half his brain. The other half of his brain is busy trying to get them out of the situation, look after Wash, do all the kind of captain-y things that he does. Wash is having the conversation with all of his brain. Because it starts to become apparent that that is what's going on, you realise that actually Mal is not having the conversation for the sake of having the conversation. It's not an honest and open dialogue. He is trying to provoke a certain reaction from Wash because it's necessary in the situation. And therefore, he may not be telling the truth. There's no particular benefit to him from telling the truth if it doesn't get as good a reaction from Wash as telling a lie. On the other hand, we don't know. It could be the truth. And what value did provoking him do? Just of curiosity because i think it i think it i i i guess it gives him a distraction a focus away from their situation so Mm. initially that's going to avoid him panicking and then that's going to avoid him becoming overwhelmed by the pain okay all right fair enough I, i i mean i don't know the psychology of it i'm i'm speculating here and i think it's pretty clear that mal in some ways at least certainly doesn't approve of the wash Zoe relationship but on the other hand you kind of think if he ever did forbid it how seriously did he forbid it because ultimately they did get married is there any unresolved sexual tension between mal and zoe see i don't i think there is none i absolutely think there is none i'm going to go with this, you on this that is obviously think the thing that the the Fox executives were angling for and which Whedon really, really didn't want. And I, I, in, in the realization of the show and the way it's played out and the way the actors have chosen to portray it, I really don't get any of that at all. 
part, partly because I, I think there's very little sense that for, from either Wash or Zoe that they really care about anyone else because they are quite wrapped up in each other, which, you know, is one of the attractive things about their relationship. And with Mal, although he's not exactly exclusively focused, there is any kind of unresolved sexual tension is directed towards Inara. Right. Right. Um, yeah, I, I would agree. I don't, I don't see any of it. I don't see any of it at all. I see, I see Zoe and Mal as being incredibly close, trusted friends, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and they have, and when you say trust, I mean, it is absolute trust in the sense that, you know, that they have, and they would completely put their lives in each other's hands. Right. So she picks wash to let him go. No hesitation. No hesitation. Obviously, obviously partially intended to fluster Niska. Oh, you thought it was just going to be a tough choice? It's like, oh, it's down. It, I mean, it's, it's, a lovely, it's a lovely delivery, the way in which she... she not, it's not only she doesn't hesitate, it's she, she almost steps on the question. It's, oh, you mm-hmm. were going to ask me to choose? Oh, you know, sorry if I spoiled your fun. So there's definitely... I mean, I think there are three possible things going on there. One is she's doing it to mess with Niska. One is it's a choice as in, you know, a real kind of question of who is her favourite, who, you know, who, because she has this friend with whom she has this bond, which we've just described, this kind of mutual dependency, my life in your hands and yours in mine. And that's hard to break um, as against the man she, she's married, the man she loves, um, so, you know, it's, it, so is it a question of love that she, love is what she's chosen or, you know, there's a third possibility there, which is that it is a soldier mm-hmm. making a very rational, pragmatic choice in that there are two people being tortured. One of them is basically more or less a civilian, certainly someone with virtually no war experience. And the other is, is, uh, a battle-hardened soldier who she knows from experience has the capability to withstand it for a lot longer. So it's it's pragmatism. And you could choose, I think, any one of those three reasons why Zoe made the choice. I think it's that latter one. I don't. You think it's number two? I think I think she's made the choice for love. But Well, she's I, she is. I can't support around. that. It is just this is just like this is what right. I feel. It's an ink blot test, yeah. Uh, yes. Obviously, she she saves Wash. So this is the man that that I love, and I've you know pledged my my life to legally, not just not just uh, through being first hand on the ship, and. Although they're, they're... Get him off, get him out of the ship because I'm about to go back and die because that's what she's about to do. She She's yeah. rescuing him and then she's going to go get herself killed because she also is required by that bond of trust with Mal to go get him. 
she really has no choice. But um, then she, if if it was Mal that she, if it was Mal that she bought his freedom, and then she would have to go back for wash. Correct, but then so she'd have she, Mal to help go back for wash. So, who is a better soldier? But yeah, I guess. But I'm I'm guessing that she knows damn good and well that Nishka is not going to let Mal go. I think that's the fourth option. This is never going to let Mal go. No way. Doesn't matter how much money she brought. He's never going to let him go. Certainly a possibility. Um, so she may have she may have sized that up and said, "Wash is an incidental. Give him all the money. He might let him go. If I ask for Mal, he may say, eh, never mind. Not going to do it. Or she might kill the other one on the spot just to be just to be a jerk so yeah so they stage an assault now wash is in on it because we don't leave anybody behind and slowly everyone else in the crew comes around to some slower than others um comes around to the idea that they've got to try to rescue mal which I, I I think was reasonably reasonably well put together. I think I I can believe that even Simon would take up arms to try to rescue Mal. At this and point. At this point, through the course of the series. I think that mm-hmm. Mal has done right by every last one of them, um on on more than one occasion, that you know they can that they, believably they go all right let's let's try to do this i also think it's really well thought through that although the flesh is willing um kaylee can't do it yes i've got a note about that she absolutely goes to pieces and uh that that was a nice piece because she just, just has never seemed like the type of person that could could shoot anybody and and i can understand I'm, I'm, saying I'm, you know I'm, let's do it let's do it i can see her believing it but when confronted with the reality of it obviously just not a thing she can do and she's she is she as as you say she she's she makes that choice because everything we've seen about her and her relationship with mal is that she is completely devoted to him and it's a common flaw in the, this kind of sort of jolly action space adventure, or indeed jolly action any kind of adventure, that you have these you have these moments where people have to take some sort of action, but take up arms and go into a fight of of some sort, and invariably the, they they all do so and are kind of implausibly good at fighting they're somewhat and, successful at least yes yeah well they're, yes they're some they're somewhat successful or it, and if if they if they are unsuccessful it's because you know they their shots go wide or whatever and you can believe that you know they they don't spend hours and hours on a on a firing range because that's not their jobs and and who could just pick up a gun and hit what they shoot we'll come back to the question of river in a moment um mm-hmm. but but you know so 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 a normal person but but someone someone else will be able to hit their mark you know you've got your your jane or whoever who is going to be 
much more useful but everyone everyone is 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 willing and it it's it's that kind of thing of 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 the bravery uh that it's that it's somehow your ability to go in and not only face the possibility of your own death and of your friend's death but also of causing other people Mm -hmm. to die and this just felt like a much more realistic reaction you know i could see myself in that that mm-hmm. in the moment of it you just wouldn't be able to hold it together and I, it's good to see that portrayed i think i think and and carry to your <clears throat> implausibly good at action i think uh, played for a laugh but but telling is the fact that apparently Simon didn't hit anything because he was yes. trying. He was, yes. he was not shy about pointing a gun at people and pulling the trigger. He just wasn't any good at it. Yeah. Which again, you know, is realistic, but perhaps that's, that's more common. What I, what I think we don't get, and it absolutely wasn't played for laughs is the kind of mental breakdown that because you you and you know it's i mean it's not a question of having any any propensity to go to pieces or panic or whatever it is just an extraordinary pressure to put someone under however strong their mental health and we all you know we're we're none of us 100 percent all of the time hmm. Hmm. all right well let's look at river Indeed. Weird. There's our answer. <laughs> um, okay, what's our answer? Spell that one out for well, me. Well, we, we, we've certainly discussed the question in previous episodes, and there has been no definitive... There have been suggestions, for sure, mm. but there has been no definitive indication of what it is that has been done to her and why the blue hands are so desperately keen to get her back and i and i i think 10 episodes in this this gives us it they've turned her into a killing machine essentially yes do you think that the men in blue or the men with hands of blue have had the same thing done to them no because their interest their interest in river is not just to kill her what they want is to get her back. So they've start they've started with someone exceptional, and I think that's been fairly clearly established. And they've done something to her, and they've now essentially in her got a weapon. The men with hands of blue are not exceptional people. And if you could if you could make them into weapons as you could with River, they wouldn't need River. They could They'd need to get rid of her because they wouldn't want her falling into the wrong hands, but they wouldn't need to get her back. What do you envision the final product of River becoming? Working on the assumption that she's not there yet, which I think... I kind of, I kind of think she is. I mean, well, she's obviously not because she's still... I mean, she, well, hmm, she... Obviously, she is a lot better in this episode after Ariel 
she's been let out of her quarters, we see at the beginning of the episode. So you think, well, okay, the captain's got to be relatively confident that the meds are working because the last time she was allowed to run around, she started chopping up Jane. And he didn't really like that. But she's clearly not 100% yet because there's all the, you know... I hate it because it'll go away, the sun goes dark and chaos is come again, bits, fluids, etc. And mm. I I threw up on your bed, which I I enjoyed. Um, so, I, and I think in, in that scene in particular with Simon and River, there's, um, you know, where he's, he's saying, you are my beautiful sister. She, she's coming back. There's a much stronger sense of who she is or who she was so there's less of the kind of gibbering mad woman and that you know that that's the kind of that's the side of river where you think she she's not you know whatever it is they want to turn it her into it's not kind of fully baked yet because she did go a bit do lally Mm -hmm. but on the other side what we see at the end is that she is a terribly, terribly effective weapon. And so that aspect of it has worked. And I think that is what they're aiming for. So they, they want that without her being a, a, a basket case. So, well, I guess my question then is, is basket case part of the process along the way? Well, it's a side effect, being, perhaps. It's a side effect, perhaps. Yeah. I, 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 you know... It's unwanted. <laughs> well, because if you had a super weapon like that, you you don't want her kind of worrying about whether someone's head is going to cave in because they've got too much hair. Right. Right. That's why I think it's not done yet. I mean, I guess that was, that's where I get the impression it's not done. I, I suppose it could be partially failed, partially, uh, we, we, we don't know, but I guess what would be the, f- I'm, I'm looking at what would be the form of the final product because we have all these, well, it would be it would be that without the crazy, crazy. Would she not have to be detached from any morality or sentimentality as well? On that, I I don't I don't know. You mean is, is there a brainwashing element? I don't know. We don't know unless we know how they plan to use her. Because I feel like um, cutting out. I don't part think of her she's brain. a Dalek or a Cyberman. I feel like part of, cutting out part of her brain. You know. One of the things that you could do in that situation is to, again, presuming 500 years in the future, they're much further along, uh, you know, cut out that section of the brain that would prevent you from killing, the, the morality center of the brain. I think we have examples of that happening in real life through accident, uh, through brain injuries in people. Yes, that- sure. But I don't know. I don't know actually whether that is... I've, I I I I don't know what mm. military strategists think about these things, but I I imagine that actually it's probably not a particularly good idea to have a psychopath as a soldier. That in some ways you need the moral centre to still exist. Pe- be, be having an intact brain does not stop people from killing other people. We know that because lots of people kill other oh, yeah, people. No without having their head sliced open. And in some ways, that moral centre is 
useful if you want to think of it that way because it stops you killing people just because they slightly annoyed you or you don't like the color of their socks there is also the aspect to her abilities that that we've touched on before that see is it precognition or is it just really really acute observational skills which seems like it's part of the part of well the i don't i well we've got we've got two yeah we've got two i mean that that isn't necessarily fully resolved mm. yet um i th i think i think i think part you know part of part of the answer about what they're aiming for is in is in the dialogue at the start of the episode where simon where book book has this peculiar obsession with sadism and mm -hmm. shan yu which isn't just to do with foreshadowing niska um but it's also because it gives Simon the chance to actually explain to us that what has been done inside River's brain appears to have been done in a very calculated way. Whether or not she's psychic isn't clear from this. We've speculated about that before, whether, it, as you say, it is just acute powers of observation. But the thing that this particular sequence in here in war stories called back to for me was the dancing sequence in safe which had nothing to do with being psychic it was purely this question of she stood there at the edge of the crowd watching the people dance mm -hmm. and then suddenly she leapt in and was able to completely accurately reproduce all of their steps without without any doing any practice or that normal thing of having to get the kind of you know, set, your brain sends directions to your muscles and then responses to those motor reactions get fed back to say, oh, actually, you've just stepped on your left foot. Don't do that again. And by virtue of careful practice, you, you build up the ability. And she did. She had to do none of that. She was just instantly able to dance perfectly. I and have this, to... Okay. Oh, she's well, I was just going to say, it, it's exactly, well, no, it's exactly mirrored because what she does is she takes a look around and she looks at what she needs to hit. And then I think, does she shut her eyes? Uh, yes, she does. She shuts and, her and eyes. Then, and then it's almost like she's a precision machine in that moment. She could, once she has worked out and calculated what it is she's got to hit, she has such complete control over her body and and its handling of the weapon that she's carrying that she can then shoot them with such complete accuracy that she doesn't even need to be looking at them i'm not sure if it's before or after um this series there is a tv series in the united states called the pretender have you ever heard of this haven't come across it 1996 to 2000 so that puts that as Se several years before several years before the pretender is a story of a an evil organization whose name i forget right off the top of my head um that takes Spectre. brilliant 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 genius children and takes them away from their parents 
and raises them in this institute. And they train them to be what they call pretenders. They are so good. They are so bright, so intelligent, so capable of mimicking anything that given just a few hours research, they could pass for a fully functional surgeon or a firefighter or anything. They can get into the mind and get into the job and absolutely nail it. They are absolutely perfect at anything they do. And that reminds me very much of what it seems like they're trying to do to River here. Now, of course, the, the, in, in the it's pretender, in, interesting. they were using them to as a think tank. So they could bring these kids in and they'd say, okay, you're, you're playing this part. Now tell me what's going to happen. They could almost, they could run simulations of events with these people taking the <laughs> places and then they use that information to their gain. And in the end, one of these kids doesn't like being raised in an institution. He wants to find his parents. He breaks out and guess what? He's really hard to catch because he can go anywhere and be anyone. You know, and, and of course that the follows the old style fugitive, incredible Hulk, where he's traveling from town to town, helping people, you know, trying to find his folks and, and always the bad guys have got a team on him all the time, uh, trying to bring him back in. But, um, yeah, it just, it, those are the echoes I get from river, uh, that, that this is that, that they're trying to turn her into this, this uber capable uh, almost well, almost pretty I, I, I think, yeah. I, th I mean, we know that she has this gift for mimicry because we saw her again. It was it was another thing, a bit like the dancing. She could just listen to Badger's accent, and then she could reproduce it. Yeah, and you know, give him give him back the Cockney talk and and kind of replicate his swagger. And it wasn't like anyone would think she was Badger because she didn't have his appearance, but Mm -hmm. I guess maybe, or, or even the tone, you know, pitch of voice. So even on the phone, you might not. But it's still is still a remarkable thing. So I, I completely see where you're coming from. The funny thing is, when you were describing that scenario of the Pretender, which is a series I have no familiarity with, it made me think of the premise of another Joss Whedon series, Dollhouse, which isn't quite the same in that it's not about um, people of natural ability being able to pretend or, or mimic other people. It's actually about more or less literally programming them with other people's personalities and, and skills. But uh, other than that, a very similar kind of scenario. So maybe that is something that Whedon watched and admired and managed to wring two other ideas out of. Hmm. A possibility. So we mentioned uh, Book and his obsession with Shan Yu. Um, although I don't, I don't know that I got an obsession out of it from it. But but maybe there's more to it later on. Well, there's something weird. There's something weird in that scene. I mean, you can there tell is something from weird about that. that he doesn't think he doesn't think it's normal because he he asks him, "Tell me you're not a fan," and Book does not actually deny it. I think a lot of I I, th I think. Chang Yu's getting a little bit of a bad press there. Uh, I, I'm not a, I, I wouldn't say I'm a fan either, but I mean, Chang Yu has a lot of other 
things, not just his talk about holding people volcanoes. over volcanoes. Yeah. Um, as I recall, a, a great military tactician, and I'm not, again, I'm not a fan of military tacticians, but, but you know, there is a, there is something, uh, of a value to being able to do that even if even if you are steadfastly opposed to military the ability to effectively carry out military campaigns usually means a minimum of loss of life or damage and yeah. uh, you know that's better than just throwing him in the trenches and gassing him for you know several years um so i i could understand somebody studying the works of Shang Yu at, I was a little weirded out by Simon's immediate, tell me you're not a fan. That makes me think that all he knows of Shang Yu is exactly what book just told him. Just that one little bit, which is all that we seem to get throughout this entire story. It's all about seeing the real you. And, and I've been kind of holding that because one, did we see the real shepherd book in this story he's he's on no. point about the sniper rifles he's uh you know he he looks at the scene of the the assault and he's able to put together what happened there um probably faster he, or as fast as zoe or jane he's very yes. effective in the battle yes um he's clearly done it before and and they even point that out by making by making reminding us that neither Simon nor Kaylee were useful in this fight. Book was the yes. only one that was useful beyond the killers. And But all of that is consistent with the book we've seen. It is, but we've just gotten a bigger peek at it. But I'm saying, are Absolutely. we getting a peek of the real man there? Well Because I think he's sincere yes, in yes, his beliefs yes, as well. Yes. His religious beliefs. Yes. I mean that's all that's all true to Book. But what we're not seeing, and the reason I say we're not when we st we still don't have the 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 full story here and i i cannot remember that we get an answer to this so i'm 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 puzzling over this because i don't think in the remainder of what was made of this series we this ever gets explained and may, maybe it, maybe it's just a kind of overlooked element in the writing but why is he keen to go along when, where, where, when, when they when they know that Wash and the captain have been taken, they don't know who by, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And book is book. Oh is wait, King's no, no. I think they do. I, I think don't they think do. They do because when they said space station, remember they said oh, this is. Oh no no no! That was that was. You're right. That was after they were landed on the, after they went to the site they realized it was a space station. That's when they realized it was Niska. Yes, but Book is keen to go along while they're still on Serenity. And he goes along to the site where, as you say, he is very useful. But he's extremely keen to go. And I don't understand why, because I don't think at that point it's even occurred to him that it might be Niska. So what is it that he's expecting? Because that came you, over to me strongly. He's expecting something, but is he expecting alliance or, or who? Well, that's interesting. I didn't get that. I mean, I, I see your point. Um, I didn't get that in my watch through. My, 
my internal justification was the same as with the others at the end that Mal has inspired enough trust, enough loyalty in all of them that they're willing to go along. And I just honestly felt like with Mal being out of the picture that from the glimpses we've seen a book before, my guess is, is that book is probably more capable than Mal or, or Zoe. It could, it could, it and could, that it could he be. just was going, you know, you guys need a top pro with you here. And he was and just, he obviously hasn't, he hasn't revealed to them that he is a top pro. And so the reason he's having to be so insistent is because they, they wouldn't necessarily realize the value of him going. I, I think that's possible. And Mal did just save his life, risk everything to save his life with the Alliance recently. <clears throat> yes. No, I can, I can, I can understand his motivation in offering to go, but it's the tone and speed with which he he both makes the offer and and almost insists on it mm. that made me wonder whether he had some particular reason for wanting to go to the site. It, it is curious that both he and, and Niska are quoting Shan Yu in this episode. I think it's a lot of uh, just a literary device, but I, I <laughs> think that probably is, yeah. Yeah. So um Let's see. What else have I got here? Oh, 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 oh. This... The other half of that equation. So do we get to see the real you? We have been asking that question throughout the entire series about the real Mal. And here we have Mal tortured, breaking free, and he doesn't kill Niska. Would he have killed him? <laughs> I still don't know. Is the real Mal the guy who says, okay, you're dead? Or is the real Mal the guy who still has just enough decency in him that having beaten Niska, <clears throat> and when I say decency, I mean decency and stupidity, that he'd let Niska go? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I, I don't know. I don't know. I wish that had been resolved. I wish we'd gotten rid of Niska. I don't really care for the character. I don't really want to see him back again. Um... Well, I'll I'll agree with I'll agree with half of that. I mean, one of the things we don't we don't get to to, to see the real Mal, as it were, because Mal doesn't break. I mean, mm -hmm. he comes close. We certainly get the impression, but he he's strong enough to to get through it to the point where he's rescued. I thought that bringing Niska back was an interesting choice. Um, I didn't really understand why Niska was brought back because I, I too didn't care for the character. I didn't care for the character the first time around. It doesn't seem a very sort of Whedon-esque type of character. I don't want to see Niska back. But that said, I thought that the way they used him in the episode was very effective that he has the because he has his own peculiar rules and and his sense of honor that allows the setup with Zoe and the money and that kind of showdown where she does that thing circumventing his power play by making the choice very quickly so i i thought all of that was a good use of him since you know they had him anyway and i i don't wish he had been 
killed by Mal at the end. I, I, I don't, I don't feel we needed to see that because I, I'd prefer not to know that about Mal if that is what he would do. Well, but on, on on the other hand, that's not, that's absolutely not because I want to see Niska back. Hmm. I, I guess I guess the question would come down to, and I mean we we kind of had this at the train job, um, in 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 classic television, American television, the hero is allowed to kill the bad guy, but it always has to come about through what effectively has to become a self defensive action. You get Niska down yeah. on the floor, you get a gun pointed at him. I'm going to kill you now. No, you're not. You're never going to do it. You're never going to do it. Oh, he's pulled a gun. Pow. Now you can do it. And, yes. you know, the, the, the ambiguity the about the character Western. of the traditional, the ambiguity about Mal is that they seem to be portraying him as a guy who would have pulled the trigger. Yeah. And they didn't give that the opportunity here. And I don't know if that's because I feel like from some of the things that you've said from what we've seen, I feel like that's the character Whedon wants him to be. And that the networks, that's the character they don't want him to be. Yeah. Right. I see this as a failure of Whedon to get his vision through by letting Niska get away or what I think is his vision for that character. I think, I think I guess, anyone, I guess, but, it, I, but I, but I, I, I don't know. I just, it's the, it's the kind of, have they not done, did he not do enough to Mal? Did he not do enough torture? Did he not do enough pain? Did he not kill him once? Is that not enough for Mal but it, yeah. to kill him? <laughs> it, would, it would be enough. It, it would be enough in the, in the kind of traditional sense of the character, but it would come through out of a kind of vengeance or loss of control. And in a funny way, that's what I wouldn't want to see. I I know that because I like the fact that that Mal is this more nuanced character, and he has done some extremely morally questionable things, mm-hmm. and in some cases done them without hesitation. So I'm thinking of the the Alliance agent in the first first episode, where he just walks aboard the ship and shoots him in the head straight away. Yep, but he. It's all very controlled. It's all very deliberate. And I guess that's the, you know, for for me, that's what a storyline about vengeance culminating in death like that would, I would not be happy with. And I think it would be the same if, it would have been the same in the episode with Christina Hendricks if he'd taken his revenge on her at the end. Oh, the, the because captain's it would, wife? Because it would have been out of control. Yeah, Mrs. 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 Reynolds. Mrs. Reynolds, not the doctor's wife, well, the captain's yeah, wife. Yeah, but her real her real name is not Florence. It's yeah, uh, doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't remember. It's gone. It's gone. You you could say it, and I wouldn't. My be able old to brain is failing me. Uh, would it made a difference then if Mal had uh, killed off the they'd killed off the other guys, and Mal and Niska had been in a room together at the end of this conversation at Mal's gunpoint? And Mal offered him, leave me alone. And Niska had said, I will never stop until you're dead. And then Mal shot him. Would would that be reasoned enough, not out of control enough? Would that be the same as yes, him killing yes. the Alliance that, agent? 
that would that would be much more because i mean technically that speaking that's not grounds for murdering someone but in this universe that at no, least no no i i'm not saying i would approve of it in the uh, in a moral sense i'm saying it would it would fit to me it would fit with what mal's character is about that would be very much like the guy he threw into the engine he said are you going to tell him no i'm not <laughs> okay yes. next guy are you going to tell him yes i am okay off you go yes although that was part that was partly for the benefit of the next guy because he knew what the guy was going to say but yeah, yeah it's it's you know from any from any kind of um standard reasonable moral viewpoint it's a pretty despicable thing to do okay uh, a couple other things um and i think i've mentioned this before i've, I've been married to uh i've been married into a family that speaks mandarin chinese for 20 years now and uh i hear a lot of chinese and i still can't speak it uh but i was impressed the other day when my my nephew who's about two or maybe three i don't know uh they posted a video of him online and they're like and i you know they're talking to him they're like where are we going we're going to mcdonald's what are you gonna have uh something and french fries and chicken nuggets and i'm i'm listening to that and i'm going eh, you know I, I'm 20 years and i'm still can't understand it three or very very <laughs> well but i can understand a little bit of it right i can't speak it to save my life my my i'm not so i'm not trying to pass myself off as being a linguist of any kind of thing their chinese is unintelligible to me except for one thing and I also, when my wife watches it with me, whenever they start speaking Chinese, the subtitles come on and they say, speaking Chinese. And my wife just kind of, she looks blank when they're talking. And she just, if I look at her, she'll just shake her head like, nope, don't, don't get it. Because um, a lot of times, you know, somebody speaking Chinese, I'll look at her, that's sort of a subconscious cue that says, what are they saying? <laughs> <laughs> and then she'll tell me. But if she doesn't understand it, then that's what she'll do. Like if it turns out that it's a dialect of Chinese she doesn't understand, she'll just shake her head and look at me. And... So we don't get it. But they say pigu. I may have mentioned this before. They say it a lot. And it's the word for but. And that one I get. Yep. So they obviously yep. love that word. <laughs> yes. That, that's the one that they were trying tai, to. Taikong suyo de xing chao sai jin wu du pigu. See, none of that up until you get to Pigu. (laughs) Well, that's always says you my pronunciation, which is terrible. All the this is wash um, near the beginning. All the planets in space flushed into my butt. Yeah, water, water, Pigu, my butt. Yeah, okay, that one. (laughs) But oh, Taiyu. Did you say Taiyu? Something like Taiyu. Yeah, that would be space. Mm -hmm. Okay, Tai Tai Kong, Tung Kong, Taikonauts are Chinese astronauts. Taiku, Taiku. So okay. Oh, yeah, really? yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, um, yeah. I probably get but, it, but, but I'm not sure you should be so using bad. it. Yes, well, that's, uh, that's. I think the thing is, you shouldn't be using it as a learning aid. Um, no, because <laughs> the, the no. First year, and again, I mean, I think I, I, one of one of the things I picked up, I think, from an earlier commentary was the fact that after several takes, although their pronunciation had been carefully rehearsed, ready for the first take they started to forget and therefore it was getting worse and worse. And the justification that I I have considered in my own head, which is that 500 years of um, 
the evolution of language and and of you know their drift yeah american speakers basically mangling it could could have meant that the pronunciation of the words changed a lot but i think the reality of it is revealed by the 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 um the commentary on this particular episode which features alan tudyk uh, along with nathan fillion um, and nathan fillion makes a comment along the lines of i he says something like, i kind of always felt my chinese pronunciation wasn't good enough and uh, alan tudyk says something like i thought my chinese pronunciation was brilliant and then he admits actually i just i just started making words up and throwing them in and hoped that I would get away with it because he was having difficulty remember remembering his English lines. So, <laughs> yeah, I can, I can see that. <laughs> you got you got enough trouble memorizing the English, the Chinese. I can, I can get that. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, don't don't use this as your learning aid for Chinese. Uh, but if you want to see think, videos of my nephew, wise. I can I can hook you up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of cute um don't tell my wife i said that but he's kind of cute <laughs> uh which is lucky for him that means he's nothing like his father <laughs> anyway Who i assume doesn't listen to this podcast i'm pretty sure she doesn't listen to this podcast unless she's in my car and then i usually don't listen to myself because it's painful um so jane was pretty generous with his cut still feeling guilty is that what we're supposed to get out of that uh, he, when was he generous? When they bought the apples, they said, yeah, it was pretty oh, generous of Jane. That's unusual for him. And I was like, oh, is it because he's still feeling guilty about selling them all out? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. It is certainly the continuity is straight after. This one did feel like straight continuity from one episode yeah. to the next. It really did. I, you could have made these two parters. Practically, they were they were so linked in. Um we also get the story about the apples being thrown over and I, I didn't get a chance to go back and watch it again, but I, I, I thought that was kind of an interesting story. So they were fighting trench warfare. Oh, you mean the actual war stories? Yes. We, the actual war we, stories. We do about see, the... we do see trenches in serenity. That doesn't make a lot of sense, but okay. There's a reason we don't use that anymore. Uh, air power is probably the biggest, part of it, I think. Tanks and air power, I think, pretty much ended trench warfare. Um, I thought that was unusual, but it, but the the thing that the thing that I wanted to to bring out, we have that story about is it Christmas Day? Is it New Year's Day? Where that the guys had a truce and they all got up and had the Christmas the soccer Christmas game, two thousand fourteen, or was it two thousand seven? Two thousand nineteen. I don't think it's it nineteen. Fourteen. Yeah, it's one of those. Yeah. Or 1917, I forget which. Well, they got up and they had their soccer game and then they went back. And and there's always been that sort of... That has created a mystique that probably is not true about the civility of the troops on either side. That, you know, given the chance, well, they it, just it, get it, up and be was, friendly. Well, I know it, it's true. It, it, it's, it's, it's something that happened but was stopped because mm. it obviously caused some issues for the wages of the war that they didn't want the troops fraternizing. Right. But I think, I think historically that's had a, probably had a greater impact 
on our rear view of the war than than maybe was realistic. Does that make sense? I mean, you get that one isolated incident, which is very well publicized and very well Mm -hmm. uh, remembered. And you think, well, you know, really, probably the troops were just like that the whole time. Eh, eh, probably not. But they they weren't ever. I mean, it only ever happened once. Right. Right. But but never repeated. It's just like when you see a little bit of bad news on the news, you think it's happening all the time when it really isn't. Right. It's it's the it's the focus of the media lens that that distorts your view of time. So I, I, you feel like this story is going that way when she's talking about the guys. And we got nothing to do and we're just sitting there in the opposite trenches and we're starving. Mm-hmm. And and then we'll mention something about the food. And so they toss us some apples. Woohoo! Thank you. Yeah. That was nice. You, you for just for that moment, you get that sort of Christmas. Let's call it 1914. You get that Christmas 1914 feel to this you ask yourself the question if they were all starving how did they have apples to toss over there but that's another question Uh, and then the 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 third one is if if they had grenades and they were within grenade launching distance why hadn't they wiped out the alliance troops anyway um but it does point out another one in the favor the alliance were Right. We, we remember we we had that whole the, the discussion about we haven't really at the early parts. You can't really tell that the alliance are evil. You just sort of can tell that the alliance are not my side in this conflict. But as yeah. we've gone on, we've progressively seen that no, no, they're evil. And I'm not sure we have. I don't think so. Well, I mean, are the men with hands of blue? Are they the alliance? The men with hands of blue are evil. And they work for the alliance, and yeah, these these troops who flung across apples filled with grenades, they weren't nice people. But I don't know that that means that the alliance itself is evil. I don't. I don't think. I don't think we've got. I don't think we've got that established at this point. That's not just the British uh, perspective on colonialism, is it? I'm just easy check. <laughs> Just checking. I mean, you guys, some people think the English were pretty evil at one point. Some people think the Americans are evil. I, I don't know. Like, well, there's always I, yes, somebody, I, there's always like somebody out first. there. <laughs> I, but, but, but I, I think, well, I, but I think it is an interesting question because it is a question of perspective. And the perspective we are getting in this one is the perspective of a bunch of bandits who are never going to feel like the government is some benevolent entity unless they basically give them everything they want and what they want to do is go around raiding and looting so i think we have to we have to accept the fact that in in the in the scenario that's been set up here our heroes aren't heroes and therefore we've got a question whether the enemies are really enemies Certainly, some of the things that the that our our so called heroes do are fundamentally wrong. I, I don't care if you think a hospital Absolutely. has too many supplies; you still don't steal them. Yeah, I even if and, you're even if you're Robin Hood and you're stealing them and you're giving them to sick people who don't have them, which is sort of what Wash is trying to accomplish. Um, which I, we didn't even mention. I mean, his 
his position is a little more Robin Hood than Mal's, right? He wants to sell it to doctors. Doctors would be able to yeah. use it. Selling it to the middleman, I mean, it's going to probably get in the hands of the doctors anyway, but but it's not quite as... But they don't they don't noble. care where it ends up, and that and that's the point. And the, 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 I mean, the idealists, the, the, the politicians who seek to get into government in order to make things better for people do so because government itself provides a mechanism for actually safeguarding the people who are least able to obtain those medicines through any other route because they have nothing you know and and what if the bandits are going to sell the medicines to to middlemen or whatever well you know ultimately they're still going to be sold for profit and people with nothing are not going to get them so you've got to ask yourself the question okay what sort of government would actually satisfy someone like mal would it is is there any form of actual proper government that would provide things for and Sorry, but, you know, things like healthcare that is free at the point of provision. <clears throat> I know that's an... Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, a free education system or Or does Mal actually want someone, a kind of a government who will, who will just do nothing other than completely leave him alone? And it's Oh, the libertarians. Kind of, um, li- libertar- yeah, exactly. That, that's, that, that's kind of, and we discussed this you know, from the, the the parallels that we saw right at the beginning in Serenity, that 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 some of this is rooted in in those ideas, uh, and you know, which is which is still kicking around much more on your side of the pond than mm-hmm. they are over here, and, and more so, in the West. You know, the old West. I, I, I yeah. So I, yeah, absolutely, and 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 it, that's part of the traditions, and and. I, I absolutely recognise the appeal of it of, as an idea and therefore of, of telling stories within it. But when you're getting into the moral questions about actually whether the government is really objectively good or bad, that makes me feel like we need something more than, oh, Mal doesn't like it. And what we've got isn't enough. What we've got is some indication that there are elements within the government who are doing very, very questionable things, the, the hands of blue, and we and maybe there are some atrocities committed by the troops. But we know, in because I'm, I'm no pacifist, and I think there, there have been just wars waged in order to liberate countries that are ruled by incredibly cruel and oppressive regimes, and yet even in those wars, there are war crimes committed and atrocities committed by troops in the liberating armies. Mm-hmm. You know, that that stuff happens. People aren't perfect. So in a, in a complex situation like that, do you throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, well, that, you know, whatever that government is, that government is bad because a handful of its troops have done these these terrible things or because one branch of its security services has gone rogue and started doing things that are you know completely beyond the pale or or do you say actually the reality is more complicated than that and the alliance itself may actually be a force for good as a whole i'm not saying i'm not saying i'm not saying we've had the evidence that it is 
what I'm just saying is there is an absence of, of any real evidence on that. What we have is evidence of there being malevolent forces at a very high level in the Alliance as well as lower down. But we've also, I think, seen in, in a number of cases where there have been kind of rank-and-file officers on Alliance ships who aren't necessarily bad people. They're just doing their jobs. And they're not, and 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 that's not, you know. Oh, I was just following orders. It's their jobs are not actually to be evil. Their jobs are to make make sure that things like medicines get to the people who need those medicines. Hmm. Okay, fair enough. I think that's fair enough. Um, that's it. I mean, the only other note I had was about the location footage of the uh, the the ambush. Uh, well, I've seen that desert many a time before. Um, that's, um, I oh, think so it's, it's near, near you. No, it's not near me. It's, it's, it's the funny thing is, so I'm sorry. Have you ever heard of the, the TMZ? Have I ever mentioned this before? Not DMZ, but TMZ. TMZ. There's, TMZ. TMZ. Yeah. Aren't they the company that store up bits of Dalek parts? Uh, no, no, that was, that was DMZ. It said, wasn't it? Oh, TMZ I, is yeah. a, is a TV show. Or possibly even a website. It's probably a website as well that does celebrity gossip. But that's not where the name comes from. I always thought that that's that you know when I hear those words, and then I learn that TMZ stands for the Thirty Mile Zone, and this is an old time Hollywood union thing, where apparently the union rules were this: you pay an actor so much for showing up for work, and you can tell them where to show up for work. But if you sh- tell them to show up for work more than 30 miles from the studio, then they are required to have, I guess, transportation from the studio and possibly different wage rates. Which is why older American television and movies, you see the same things over and over. Because anything had to be within 30 miles of the cluster of studios. So, like The Rock where Kirk fought the Gorn at Vasquez Rocks or the Bat Cave in the 60s Batman series, which I was I missed. I couldn't get to because there was no parking last week. I was trying to get there and I could not. There were hundreds and hundreds of cars lined up for for four miles parked around this park that I wanted to get into and walk up and see the Bat Cave. And I, I couldn't get to it. But But this set is definitely not in the TMZ. I am sure that that's out in the Mojave Desert somewhere, um, which is going to be you know, 60, 70 miles outside at least to get into that kind of thing. But you see it a lot. So it must be one of their favorite shooting locations of television uh, when they had to break that, that zone, but it's not, it's not the most common, but it still a fairly common one, but uh, special. It's really some of the ugly desert in California. (laughs) So particularly not the, not the good looking desert. They've got good looking desert and they got bad looking desert and, that's more that kind of ugly desert, but I'm just saying in case anyone's thinking, Oh, California, what a nice place. No, that's no, no, that's anyway, I don't have anything else. Um, the only other thing I had was, was, um, just, we haven't really mentioned, we mentioned a number of the characters, but Simon, um, just because in that initial exchange he has with book where book describes him as being a, a criminal mastermind or something. And he says, I'm thinking about growing a big black moustache because he he says he's a traditionalist. And you think, okay, well, this guy didn't really have a sense of humour before. So he's, yeah, he's still developing. Okay. 
Is that the first time he's had a joke? It might be. First time I've noticed it. I would be interested to see what he looked like with a big black mustache. I, you know, he's a... <laughs> he has a... I don't know. There's something odd about, he has an uptight about his face. He's Yes, he's he's got such a sort of uptight face. I, I'm having trouble picturing that mustache it being anything other than uptight looking. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sure it would a big, be. But even if it's a big black, big black criminal mustache, you know, which would be interesting because he's got brown hair. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you'd have to dye it. Yeah, that would that would be even weirder. All right. Well, uh, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure as always. What do we have next time? What's the next one up? Trash, I believe, is the next trash. episode. So we'll be doing some trash talk next time. All right. Well, listeners. Do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.